nobody like Jesus. Nobody like Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Thankful you're in the house of the Lord this morning. I feel his touch in this place. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to go back to general psychology here for a moment. And there may be a test at the end, so we'll see. Our body's highly complex. There are many things that the medical field have figured out, yet some things are still a mystery. They do know each human body has many cells. They estimate 100 billion nerve cells are in constant activity, sending and receiving messages that control every aspect of your body's functioning. They have a picture the production team will display, a drawn picture of a nerve cell without getting too far in over my head, which wouldn't take much. There are several parts to a cell. The main one I want to look at is that axon, it's called. The axon is like a tree's long trunk. For a tree, the nutrients are transported from the roots through the trunk. In a nerve cell, information is moved through the axon. This cell will fire, then the electrical impulse will move information from the dendrite through the X axon the at, to the axon terminal to the neurotransmitters and across the synaptic cleft, and then the next one, it will bond with the next dendrites, and then it will fire, and the impulses keep going until the process is complete. Thinking and feeling and moving and cells are firing everywhere in your body to do this. Now, there's a fatty substance called myelin. You'll see a rendition of it there, the myelin sheath, that surrounds the axon that works like insulation. It allows the electrical impulses to travel quickly and efficiently. There are diseases and situations and accidents that occur that can damage or deplete the myelin sheath and has very negative effects. Multiple sclerosis is the most well-known disease that does this when it comes to damaged or destroyed myelin. In a simplistic way, the outcome of damaged or destroyed myelin is the nerve cell will not get the message through. Your brain may say, move the leg, move the leg, move the leg, move the leg. And sometimes the message will get through and then your leg will move. But if you have damaged myelin or it's incomplete or it's missing, there sometimes that message does not get through. There is a disconnect between the brain and whatever operation that's trying to happen. Mark chapter 2 verse 1 begins, again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, carried by four people. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, there was too many people, they uncovered the roof 
where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. There were certain of the scribes there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that so, they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? What's easier? It's easier to say in the, to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. And immediately, he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. According to Matthew 9, which is the same uh, story account by Matthew and Mark, Jesus had sailed from somewhere and came to this city that he was very familiar with, and they were familiar with Jesus. This man that was brought to Jesus was unable to walk. The word palsy here is better translated as paralyzed. When you hear the word paralyzed, we, we start thinking about the fact that he cannot move. But many of you are sitting still and not moving right now. Or when you're asleep, you're very still and not moving. But you're not paralyzed so it's not the fact that the body does not move or is not moving. It's the effect that the body does not obey the head. There is a disconnect. Maybe this man we read about in the book of Mark had damage to some myelin. We don't know. We do know his body will not respond to his head. So can we say he is a paralytic only because when his brain sends a signal, when the brain fires down some nerve cells, when his head says to do something, his body does not respond. The message is not getting through. The message will not connect. The message from the head getting to the body there is a disconnect. Have you ever made a commitment, made a vow, made a promise in your head, and then you broke it? The head, your thoughts, made the vow, but your body did not respond to the head. You did not act out what you vowed or committed to. If you know what I'm talking about, maybe you're the man in the bed, paralyzed because of a disconnect from the head to the body. This account would not even have been in the Word of God if the man's body was working correctly. If everything was responding correctly to the head, he would not have been in the bed in that condition. This man was lying on a bed being carried around because something did not work. He was paralyzed. His body, in a way, was disconnected from his head. 
since he could not move about on his own, his workaround or his plan in place was to have friends carry him around while he laid on a bed. For him, that probably was his only option. Nothing wrong with his plan. But what about us? When we're disconnected, what workarounds, what plans do you have in place for things that aren't working correctly in your life, things that are disconnected? I know people who are very conceited or they're flashy or showy or we would say over the top with their actions or their speech because they're working hard for you to pay attention to right here and to look at all this because they don't want you to see this over there. Drawing your attention to this so they don't notice they are incapacitated here. Joking and laughing over here so they don't really, so you don't really see their pain over there. Just a bed we're lying in. The workaround to compensate for the real things that don't work. Can I say instead of looking at the real issue? Figuring out what is really wrong, instead of confronting the issue, we comfort the issue. We have a bed. We have a workaround. We have a plan in place. And if we're not careful, we'll be comfortable in the bed and just learn to stay there. There's nothing wrong with the man's paralyzed body. It's just his body's not listening to his head. So the plan is to lay in bed and have someone carry him around. In our situations, what's the plan? What's the workaround? What is it you won't confront What is it that you're unwilling to look into to find out the real problem? So you just stay in bed. You don't want to be too uncomfortable. So you won't hit the problem head on. You comfort it. You make a bed for it. You have a workaround in place. And I apologize for the examples, but it's going to get bumpy. You're married, but you're not a good husband. You won't confront that. You'll make a bed for it. You'll work hard so she can buy things, but you aren't there emotionally. See, look at all this nice stuff we have. That's a bed. You're not confronting the real issue. You're unethical in business practices, but you're able to give some money to the kingdom because of it. That's a bed. That's a workaround of something you won't confront. You're not getting good grades because you're staying up late on some sort of media device, but you say the teachers are just too hard. That's a bed. 
We justify and make excuses to be comfortable because we're not willing to confront. There is a disconnect. What are you compensating? What are you comforting when you should be confronting? How many beds have we made in our life? Some of us are good at making them. We make them very comfortable. We don't feel conviction because we've, a, we've got a comfortable bed to stay in. We come to church and we shout and we dance, we rejoice and never confront ourselves about being rude or not tipping the servers at a restaurant or being absent in our child's life or never serving in the kingdom. Nothing wrong with shouting and dancing and rejoicing. But if it's a bed we're using to justify other things that we need to confront, we have a problem. We have a disconnect. In Matthew 9, we have a man who is paralyzed because his body's disconnected from the head and he has made a bed for it. Think of this. If we read the whole story, we realize he has legs. He has muscles. He has bones. He has a brain. He has a body. Everything that is necessary for him to walk is present. He cannot walk because there is a disconnect. Some months ago, I was upstairs in the church office and a computer screen was not working. The, the computer was on, but there was absolutely no display on the screen. So they call me the heavyweight IT guy. Yeah, right. The cables were all plugged in in the back of the computer and in the monitor. There was absolutely no reason for it not to work. All the components were there. The computer, the cables, the monitor, the electricity, an operator even was there to turn it on. Different people had looked at it and they could not get this monitor to work. I came through and they're like, well, we can't do what we're supposed to be doing today. If this monitor, we cannot get this on. And I don't know much about this. Maybe they call them, I think, a video card. Maybe the video card went out. But I, I didn't know how just sitting over the weekend, a computer just breaks or gets a short in the cable. But weirder things have happened. I don't know. So as I was talking to them, I just instinctively, I guess, you know, my philosophy is if it doesn't move, get a bigger hammer. So I just reached in the bag and just started jamming, yanking cables and plugging them in harder. And to everyone's surprise... You didn't know you hired me to be the IT guy too. Everyone's surprised. The monitor came to life and has worked just fine. Even if others had tried for some reason, one cable was not connected. It looked connected. It was in the proper place. But somehow it wasn't connected. You've done that with your phone. You've, you know, you slid and slid, plug your phone in overnight and, and charged it overnight, only realizing in the morning you did not connect it correctly. Everything was there. Every component necessary was there. It just was not connected. And that phone continued to lose power overnight, even though everything was present that was necessary for charging it. It just was not connected. You can be present in your marriage, have the certificate on the wall, the pictures in the album, and the ring on your finger. But it takes more than all that. You have to be connected. 
everything's in place for you to have the label of mom and dad, but just because you're a parent and you're present with your kids does not mean you are connected with them. The label of fifth-generation Pentecostal faithful tither and attender to services, clap on two and four, and sometimes even do a little jig, that doesn't mean you are connected. The phone may as well have been not been plugged in or the electricity could have been off or the cable missing. All of that would have led to the same result. It was not connected, so it didn't charge the status of the battery. It's more than being present. It's being connected. We have a paralyzed guy in our study today who's tired of being in the bed. He's tired of being disconnected. He's tired of the workaround. And thank God he was smart enough to surround himself with people who could do something about it. People who were willing to help him. People who didn't just sit there and console him in his present state. Work with me here. He did not surround himself with other paralyzed people so they could all feel better about their own conditions. He didn't surround himself with other bad spouses so they could all speak ill of their spouse and just fluff each other's pillows to make everybody comfortable. He didn't surround himself with people who were just laying around and saying what the church should do to have revival, but they all stayed disconnected in their select comfort beds. He surrounded himself with people that were going to move, that were going to help him, that were going not to leave him in his present state but they were ultimately going to take him to Jesus they picked up that bed with him in it and start walking to the house where Jesus was when they got near the house they could see the crowd spilling out into the streets and they did not know what to do they ran into an obstacle thank God they didn't just throw up their hands and say well we tried I guess being in the bed isn't that bad after after all, no, they weren't quitting now. It was work. It was unconventional. It was messy. It was inconvenient. It wasn't protocol. It was costly. It took time. It took energy. It took creativity. Some may have not been happy about it. Some may have been complained that they were getting roofing material on them. Some may have been trying to figure out how they could get back under control of the situation, but somehow they strapped that man to the bed and they got him to the roof and they tore that roof off to get him to Jesus. Let me tell you about the sanctuary. We aren't here to placate you. We aren't here to just comfort you in your bed. We are too concerned and love you too much to just leave you where we found you. We're going to pick you up. And it may not be easy. It may not be protocol. It may not be tight. It may take some time. It may be inconvenient. It may not be how all the other churches do it. It may not be how some like it. It may be messy and it may be costly. But let me tell you, we're going to get you to Jesus. I 
I don't care how long it takes, we're going to get you to Jesus. If we have to pray all night, we're going to get you to Jesus. If we have to tear some things up, we're going to get you to Jesus. If we have to work hard, we're going to get you to Jesus. It doesn't matter how far we have to carry you. It doesn't matter how big the obstacle is in the way. It doesn't matter who's blocking the path. We're going to get you to Jesus. Those friends on the roof tore back that roof and started letting that man down to Jesus. As they lowered him, he started getting closer to Jesus than he was to his friends. That is what they wanted. They wanted him close to Jesus. They wanted him to connect to Jesus. They could only do so much for him, and I'm thankful they did. But they had to let him go. They had to get him to Jesus. Now it was him and Jesus. All the components are here. We have singing, we have worship. We have praying, we have preaching. We have wonderful saints of God. We have powerful prayer warriors. We invite the presence of God here and God is here at the sanctuary. Can I be so bold as to say, I've preached and I've brought you to Jesus. Are you going to stay in your bed? Because it's pretty comfortable. That's where you've been a long time. But now it's your turn. Are you going to connect to Jesus? Watch this. We don't know this man's name. But the writers who talk about him just kept saying they described him as a paralyzed man. He was known for his problem, known for his issue, known for what he could not do. Can, can you throw, throw Mark 2, 5 back up there? When Jesus saw their faith, he said, and we'll describe the man, the man sick of the palsy, the man that was paralyzed. Jesus said, son. Jesus didn't say, Y'all made a mess. Jesus didn't say, why are you disturbing my powerful teaching in here? Jesus didn't say, hey, paralyzed man, this ain't protocol. He didn't say, hey, guy that's disconnected and you haven't been connected for a long time. Jesus said, son. He was not addressed by a description of what he could or couldn't do, how he acted or what he had done in the past. Jesus called him for who he 
is son. Can we stand? We've brought you to Jesus. And I've tried, for what it's worth, to lower you right in front of him. Listen closely. He won't turn you away. He's going to call you to be close to him. This is all we can do. This is as far as I can take you. Now it's you and Jesus. Stop comforting what needs to be confronted. Get connected to Jesus and let him do a work in your mind, in your family, in your finances, in your heart. You've tried a different mattress, I know. You've changed the sheets and fluffed the pillows. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But can you hear me this morning? The outcome is always the same. You're still stuck. And you're stuck in that bed. It is time for someone to be willing and brave enough to confront some things. It's time to be tired of being in the bed. I've brought you all I can. I've let you down right in front of Jesus. Are you ready to connect? He's calling your name. These altars are open. Jesus is wanting to change somebody's life. You're going to have to confront some things. You're going to have to get connected.